Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The Adam Shine Podcast. Episode 57 of the Adam Shine Podcast. And... We have an amazing featured guest this week, legendary longtime NFL writer, the always entertaining Pete Prisco, who is super opinionated and knowledgeable. Pete Prisco is going to join us this week on the pod, talk about Tim Tebow, the Jacksonville Jaguars, the NFL draft, the NFL schedule. And listen, it is appropriate as we are taping this On Wednesday, the 11th of May, right after the NFL just released its schedule, it is very appropriate to walk up to a friend, a colleague, send a text message, wish someone a happy NFL schedule release day because this this is a holiday. The schedule is out. We love it. We love analyzing it. It gets you fired up. You start texting friends. Oh, let's go to Vegas for the Raider game. Let's fly to Green Bay. Let's go to California. I can't believe that, you know, one of our friends getting married week six and the Jets have a big game. I mean, this this is how it works. I mean, so I, I live for when the schedule is released and you always have fun in terms of looking at wins and losses. But I love what the NFL did this year. And we're taping this on Wednesday night, right after the NFL released the schedule. And earlier in the morning, they had Fox and CBS and ESPN and NBC all release their week one game. So, you know, reporters who got some drips and drabs of breaking news didn't didn't leak all the information. They could control it. And it's genius by the NFL. So this way, they own the news cycle for 24, 48, 72 hours on the schedule release. You get the week one schedule. You get the primetime schedule. You get the full schedule. And I'm just obsessed with the week one games. And I love the choice for the opener. Tampa-Dallas, obviously the box open up at home after winning the Super Bowl. I think the Cowboys are going to be excellent this year. I think Dak Prescott, you you know he's going to be healthy for week one. We had Stephen Jones, executive vice president of the Dallas Cowboys, on Shine on Sports on Sirius XM on Mandog Sports Radio with me last week. And he says Dak's 100% ready. He's thinking Super Bowl. I'm thinking Super Bowl. Uh, in terms of winning the division and being in the playoffs and being in the conversation with the powerhouses of of the NFC. So I think this is an excellent choice. Love what the NFL did giving the Rams and Raiders home primetime games in week one because they had gorgeous new stadiums last year. Couldn't take advantage of it with fans, obviously, in the middle of a pandemic. So they get a fun redo, which I think is awesome and well-deserved. 
Rams will open up against Chicago. Andy Dalton in primetime. Oh, I've seen that movie before. I hope it's Justin Fields. You know, add some juice, some pop, some sizzle. I mean, Andy Dalton, I, that's that's a horror flick. We, we've seen that before with Andy in primetime. I mean, he's at his worst when the, when the sun goes down. Rams, I think, are going to be a factor for the Super Bowl. In fact, we talked about this after the Matthew Stafford trade. I think they, they're they right now my favorite. I, I love the Rams. We had Sean McVay on Shine on Sports last week. How about the Nugget? When he told us he's not going to force his system on Matthew Stafford, find out what he did so well in Detroit and, you know, acclimate that into what they want to do on offense. They had a great draft. They have big-time weapons. They have Aaron Donald. Rams in prime time, start of a Super Bowl run. I think that's great. And listen, Lamar Jackson gets to play Vegas. Vegas doesn't have any defense. Lamar will put on an absolute show. And here's what I love about the early release of these week one games. In addition to creating all sorts of buzz, you have point spreads. I mean, we have week one point spreads already. We have over-unders. I am so excited about this. You have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers favored by six and a half against Dallas for the season opener. And by the way, that is going to be an off-the-charts ratings bonanza. Dallas could absolutely win that game, even as Tampa returns an unprecedented amount of returning ball players on offense and, and defense, all 11 starters on both sides of the ball. I love Dallas covering six and a half points. Feels like way too much. I think the Chargers favored by one and a half against the football team. That's a a great bet for week number one. How cool is that, by the way? The offensive rookie of the year taking on the defensive rookie of the year, Justin Herbert and Chase Young. That's going to be a ton of fun. I love the Chargers week number one as, as a best bet. How about Buffalo, favored by six against the artist formerly known as the Pittsburgh Steelers? I I think that has 35-17 Buffalo. Buffalo's going to smash Pittsburgh, and then Bill's Mafia is going to smash some tables. That one stands out to me. Jacksonville favored by one and a half in Houston? I mean, Houston might go 0-17 this year. I I think the Jags are going to win Trevor Lawrence and Urban Meyer's first ever game in in the National Football League. I love the over in the Falcons and Eagles game. Week number one, the over-under is 46 and a half. I think you'll see a lot of points scored in that one. We had Arthur Smith, the Falcons coach on Shine on Sports, and I I think that's going to be a great bet in week number one. I love the Cardinals this year. They are an underdog week one in Tennessee against the Titans. Titans are favored by two and a half points. I think the Cardinals win that game outright. I love Sam Darnold in the Sam Darnold revenge game. How cool is that? Great job by the NFL going with that ball game in week number one because this way there'll be juice. You know, I think Darnold will make the Jets see ghosts. I mean, you have Carolina favored by four and a half. I think Darnold's going to be a star. Under Joe Brady and Matt Rule, he has weapons. Don't forget about the Robbie Anderson revenge game as well. I think Jets are moving in the right direction with Robert Sala. Had a good draft, but Sam is absolutely going to shine. That's going to be great. I mean, did Vegas forget that the Patriots had an unbelievable offseason? New England's only favored by two against Miami. I, I love New England. I like the over 
in the Rams Bears game. The over is is forty over under is forty five. I like the over. I mean, I am so fired up. We have point spreads. We have over unders. We have a week one schedule that was released early. Of course, our senior executive producer of the Adam Shine podcast and Shine on Sports, the great Bob Stew, he has been crunching all the numbers all day ever since the week one schedule came out. Bob, what is your early read on some of your best bets coming up for week number one? Well, we should just kick the ball right now because you're ready. I mean, you've got everything going here. I mean, unbelievable. You've pretty much analyzed every game. I love it. And yeah, of course, I disagree with you on a lot of it. Yes! Just like per usual. Week one, I can't wait to see week two, Adam, when we when I print you out the show sheet and we look at the records and there you are at probably 11 and 5. And there I am, of course, at the bottom of the barrel at 5 and 11, just <laughs> per usual. So yeah, I disagree with you on Dallas. I disagree with you on Carolina. Yep. I disagree with you on the Chargers. And those aren't even my best bets. But look, I just think Brady with an actual offseason to prepare, that's going to be an issue for Dallas. I love Washington's defense. I think they're going to give Justin Herbert some problems. And look, I've been subjected to three years of Sam Darnold throwing it to the wrong team. And even worse, just not being able to hit any of his own receivers when they're wide open. There is no way I'm taking Carolina week one with five points against the Jets. Not a chance. I think the Jets will be in the game. Robert Sala completely dominated Sam Darnold last year when Darnold played the Niners. I'm not going to say that they're going to do that, but the Jets had a great offseason, much better defensive line. They actually have some linebackers, and they have a real offense and no Adam Gase. Oh, what a concept for the Jets. But look, the three ones, the three bets, Adam, that I've been really looking at here. And of course, here's another major disagreement, because I already grabbed this when it came out today. The Steelers, six and a half no. point underdogs on no. the road in Buffalo. No. The public already agrees with me because it's down to six already. <laughs> and look, I love Yeah, but the that, Bills. that's because everybody and their mother roots for the Steelers. <laughs> that, that's all that is. You got all these delusional people. They started 11 low. People don't respect the <laughs> Buffalo Bills. You're all nuts, Bob Stu. I was right on the Bills the last two years. I'm going to be right again for week one and for this season. Yeah, look, I love Buffalo. I'm with you. I love Buffalo. They're winning the division. They're going to win the game. I mean, don't get me wrong, but you just mentioned it. Pittsburgh was 11-0 to start the season. Pittsburgh is most dangerous early on when the defense is fresh and the quarterback hasn't thrown 650 pass attempts. Ben's going to be fresh. They have an actual running back in Najee Harris. The offense, it should be just as good as last season. They have pretty much everybody returning, and I expect the defense, they're going to make the game sloppy for Buffalo. The game last year, Pittsburgh was up 7-3 just before halftime at the end of the season. Roethlisberger threw a horrible pick six. The Steelers are going to be in this game, Adam. I'm not expecting them to win. They'll lose by three points, but I love them with the six and a half. The second line I love, we have an agreement here, finally, the Patriots. You nailed it, Adam. Did people just forget what New England did? I think people are just kind of jaded because they saw New England just get stomped last year at the end of the season. They couldn't stop the run. They couldn't stop anybody late in the season. It was one of the worst defenses Bill Belichick has ever coached. Look, you know I'm not a believer of the Dolphins. I wasn't a believer in the Dolphins last year. They had the easiest Mm -hmm. schedule in the NFL. I didn't believe in the Browns either. Both teams had really easy schedules. I don't think Tua played well at all at the end of last season, and he really struggled against Belichick. We already saw this game against a terrible, terrible, terrible Pats defense, Adam. He threw for 145 yards. That's not good. That's just 
awful. And the Patriots' defense is rejuvenated. They added Matt Judon. They added more pass rushers. They actually have more linebackers. Dante Hightower should be coming back. I don't think Miami did enough to improve the team at all in the offseason. I love the Patriots. I think they're going to win the game by a touchdown. And the last one, Adam, I really like the Falcons. The Falcons laying three and a half I points like at that home. I like too. Good call, Yeah. Bob. I just don't really know what to expect from the Eagles. Brand new head coach. And look, I know the Falcons lost five games to end the season. But man, that might have been the best five-game losing streak I've ever seen in my life. I mean, Atlanta lost to the Saints by five. They lost to Justin Herbert by a field goal. They lost to the Super Bowl champs and Tom Brady by four points. And then they lost to the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes by three. I won't mention that the Bucs smoked them in the final week of the season. Those other four games were unbelievable. They played with elite teams, and guess what? They got a brand-new head coach in Arthur Smith. I just love the Falcons, Adam. So those are the three big ones I have in, on my mind going into the season this year, especially for week one. It's going to be awesome. Now, I wouldn't touch right now the Chiefs and the Browns. That's my favorite mm. game scheduled on CBS, and CBS has an unbelievable slate. I mean, all these games on CBS are ridiculously amazing. You know, if it turned out that you would have a, a, a Kansas City and Cleveland championship game, I mean, I, I wouldn't bat an oh. eye. You know I think Cleveland's going to be excellent this year. Kansas City and Buffalo, to me, the teams to beat in, in the AFC. And that's going to be an unbelievable game. I'll give you my favorite primetime games for this season. You ready? I, yeah. I, I did a shine nine for NFL.com. Let me hit you with these. Game of the year, bar none, Brady at Belichick. Mm-hmm. It's the game of the year in the NFL. Bills Chiefs is my number two week five. Wow. Yep. I think that that's going to be an unbelievable game. Yeah. Cowboys Bucks is number three on my list. Of course. Lamar and Patty. I think Mahomes and Jackson, that's going to be sizzling on NBC. Now, this one's controversial, but I don't give a damn. <laughs> Jacksonville, Cincinnati. That's a great game. I, I, right? If you're a true NFL fan, Trevor Lawrence, Joe Burrow, by the way, it's in Cincy where Urban Meyer is a legend in the state of Ohio. You're going to find out if you're a real NFL fan, if you're psyched for Lawrence Burrow in isolation. Browns, Ravens, week 12, late in the season. That's going to be loaded with implications. You know, I'm not super high on Seattle this year, but Rams, Seahawks always delivers. Yes. Always delivers. Yep. Always delivers. You know, I'm not super high on the Steelers, but Steelers, Chargers, week 11, Sunday night football, Herbert Roethlisberger could be one of Ben's final games in a big spot. That gets me going. I think the Chargers are going to be a surprise team. And no one knows what's going to happen with Rodgers. You know I'm skeptical on Aaron Rodgers being a Packer, ever taking another snap for the football team. But let's say, for argument's sake, he's in Green Bay. Cardinals, Packers, week eight. The kings of the Hail Mary. You know, J.J. Watt grew up in Wisconsin. He'll be, you know, first game against the Packers as a Cardinal. Thursday night football on Fox. Those are my favorite nine primetime games this season. Oh, I love it, Adam. And you took a lot of mine. I mean, especially Brady Belichick. That's number one. I mean, nobody else can even argue that. The opener is going to be unbelievable. You know me, though, Adam. When I look at the primetime schedule, I look at the holidays because I love the holidays. I always look forward to Thanksgiving. 
I mean, in the last few years, the night game has just been cursed. I mean, we had Tolzien time with the Colts. The Falcons oh. have been a mess the last couple times. They, they had the Giants versus Washington. I'm sure you remember this one. The Giants were 2-8, and eight, and Eli threw for 113 yards Disaster. versus Washington. It was a debacle, and last year was the worst. The Steelers-Ravens Thanksgiving night game was moved to a Wednesday afternoon. I mean, just stop ruining my Thanksgiving night. Oh, I can't wait for Bill Saints, Adam. Bill Saints in primetime on Bob. Thanksgiving. Yeah, my extended family are massive Bills fans. They've got season tickets. I'm going to watch the game with them. It's going to give it some added juice. I think Josh Allen's going to go up and down the field on that Saints defense. And you mentioned Rodgers. Speaking of Rodgers, Browns-Packers on Christmas Day. I mean, the only question is, Adam, will Packers fans get a lump of coal in their stocking with Jordan Love, or will they get the ultimate Christmas gift and Aaron Rodgers leading them to another division title that day? Oh, man, the primetime schedule, Adam, I think they nailed it. Thursday night football looks amazing. I can't wait for the season. It's going to be awesome. That Sunday night schedule is off the charts. This is going to be a ridiculously amazing football season you know, the biggest season in NFL history just on numbers and intrigue alone. First time 17 games in the regular season, as as, as Bob said earlier. I mean, I, I wish that it was, you know, September 9th and we were ready to kick because I am so amped for this upcoming football season. And I thought the league nailed it in terms of a delicious week one schedule and the primetime schedule is absolutely off the charts the legend himself pete prisco star of cbssports.com he is a wonderful twitter tough guy an informed journalist very opinionated the great pete prisco is a featured guest on the out of time podcast now reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest but let me play devil's advocate here let's see so no that's a good thing uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, everyone. This is Nicole Auerbach, and I want to invite you inside the Coaches Clubhouse, a brand-new podcast from SiriusXM that examines what drives coaches on and off the sidelines. We talk to coaches from all different sports and all walks of life about their passion for the profession, their mentors, philosophies, and stories, and also what they care about when they're outside the spotlight. We'll give you a unique perspective on some of the greats in their profession, from Olympic coaches to Super Bowl champions and everyone in between. New episodes out every Wednesday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. The featured guest this week on the Adam Shine podcast, one of my all-time favorites. He is one of the most respected journalists who covers the National Football League. 
just incredibly opinionated, incredibly talented, and the ultimate Twitter tough guy. My guy from CBSSports.com, the great Pete Prisco. Pete, how are you? Good, Adam. How are you? Everything good? Everything is amazing, Pete. It it really is. And I'm doing great, and we're doing this interview on the day where the schedule is released in the National Football League, and everyone's fired up, and everyone's optimistic. And I'll ask you a couple of questions on the schedule in a bit, but... You know, the main reason you're on today is because of Tim Tebow. Timothy Richard Tebow Kardashian. I can't believe the Jaguars are actually going to do this, Pete. I I went bonkers on radio, on television. This can't happen. They're, they're not going to actually put Tim Tebow on the team, are they, Pete? I can't see it happening. And, and and you know I used to live there for a long time. And, and I did drive-time radio in that town when he was at, at his height of his popularity. And I was one of the few guys that pushed back on it. I never thought he was any good. And I held on till the end. And some of my guys in the personnel community tell me that all the time. They said, you were the last holdout. Even some of those guys that were critical came around and you never did because I never thought he was very good. And it didn't make me very popular with his – fans and but I I held my ground and I always believed that he couldn't play quarterback in the NFL and it proved to be true and now he's switching to tight end Adam as a 33 year old who's going to be 34 when the season starts I don't see it he's not sudden he doesn't really have the ability to make people miss Uh, he's not a great blocker contrary to what you might think Uh, watching him on his pump protection when he was with the Jets he wasn't good at that and so I just don't think it's going to happen I think it's more of a favor to him by Urban Meyer, but I don't think it's a very smart move on their part. No, and I I actually, I'm so in favor of Urban Meyer as an NFL head coach. I love the hire for Jacksonville. I love Trevor Lawrence. To me, he's a a generational talent. I I love Jacksonville's offseason. I love their future. I love their draft. I mean, this to me is a misstep. And Pete, you lived it doing afternoon radio in, in Jacksonville when he was he was at Florida. Look, you know all about Tebow Mania. He he sucks the life out of a team. He I mean, it's the most omnipresent story. If if he's on the roster, you know, and, and Trevor Lawrence throws a couple of picks against a great Colts defense, you know, you're gonna hear chance of Tebow, Tebow. If Trevor Lawrence beats the Indianapolis Colts and their great defense. You're going to have people asking Trevor Lawrence after the game about you know, a one catch from, from Tim Tebow. I mean, I can't believe that Urban Meyer knows that Tebow gets all the attention, right, wrong, or indifferent, and he's going to bring this guy to trump and, and supersede everything that Trevor Lawrence is going to bring to the table. And here's the thing. I've heard, I've heard these arguments about Tebow for so long. He's a great leader. Oh, well, you don't please. lead if you don't play. That's right. Not good. You were, if you were a great, you were a great college player, and you were a leader because your teammates saw that you were a good player. If you're a fourth, fourth string tight end and you're not playing much, which I don't think he's going to make the team anyways. But if it were to happen that way, nobody pays attention to him. Nobody. And your Heisman trophies. They go out the window when you walk into an NFL locker room. They only care about what you can do for me now. And so it, it, it makes no sense. And here's the other thing. I saw somebody tweet this out the other day. that Well, maybe it'll take some of the focus off of Trevor Lawrence's first training camp. 
If you're worried about that, oh, you drafted the wrong guy. That's right. You drafted the wrong guy, and they didn't draft the wrong guy. They drafted, like you said, a generational talent. All the goodwill that they built up over the course of the last three months by you know, hiring Urban Meyer, by spending money in free agency, by having a good draft and getting Trevor Lawrence, it kind of goes out the window by the fact that they're even considering this. Now I'm with you. It does go out the window, and – Listen, I, I love the Urban Meyer hire. I love the Trevor Lawrence pick. And, you know, I, I love the Jacksonville draft, Peter. I, I really did. And I know, you know, we're not on the same page when it comes to the philosophy on first-round running backs. And, you know, with that said, I think Travis Entienne is going to be a hell of a player for the, the Jacksonville Jaguars. What was your take on Jacksonville's draft? And how do you think Entienne, even though I know we disagree on – the philosophy of a first-round running back, how do you think he's going to be with Trevor Lawrence as a pro? Now, if I was going to draft a running back, he's the kind of running back I would draft because he's the what I call the air back. He's the Alvin Kamara, Christian McCaffrey kind of running back who can do it inside the tackles but also can be a real factor in the passing game. I, I just don't think I would have taken it back there uh, because, I, A, I don't believe in taking backs early in the draft, but, B, because I think you could have gotten a defensive lineman I probably would have taken Christian Barmore there, uh, even though he had some, you know, there were some questions about his off-the-field character a little bit, probably some scouting communities about coachability. I would have taken him there and come back and got a running back. Uh, I get it, though. They wanted to add speed. The one, two things that Urban Meyer said when he got in there, I need to be good on my defensive line. I need to be faster. Well, getting Travis Etienne makes you faster. Because James Robinson had a good rookie season, but he's not fast. And so I think they need to address that. I thought they would address be outside in the passing game a little bit, particularly in the slot, by drafting that at some point in the draft, and they didn't do that, which surprised me. But, you know, there's a look, Walker Little is a good player if he's healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it, the Cisco kid from Syracuse is a really good rangy safety. As you know, you went to Syracuse mm-hmm. when he's healthy. So, uh, you know, they did make some good picks, but I think there's some issues there as to whether they'll all be healthy or not. I think that's that's certainly fair. What what's realistic in your opinion, Pete, to expect from Trevor Lawrence his first year in in the NFL? Well, I think you got to look at how they play. If if they play where they're allowing him to throw it around, then I think he could put up Justin Herbert type of numbers from a year ago. I, I think those are reasonable, and I think he's capable of being in that same type of class. I think he's special, but you're, there's always a concern with a young quarterback when you come in that you're going to protect him. And, and that's one thing about the Chargers. They weren't in a position where they could really protect him. He had to throw it around a little bit. And I hope that he gets to throw it around. If he throws it around, the numbers, I think, will be 30 touch, 28, 30 touchdown passes. He'll probably throw 10, 11, 12 interceptions and maybe, you know, 4,200 yards. I, I think that's the kind of thing you can expect from him early because I don't think they're going to let him really wing it like you would expect as he gets older because they're going to try and protect him a little bit. Your draft grade column is my annual favorite. It it really is. Because I know, you know, the work that you put in to studying these players. You know the teams, the organizations, the needs better than anyone. I I put a lot of stock and value into your draft grades. To me, every year it's a must-read piece and a must-read column. And uh, you did a great job once again on on CBSSports.com. Give us some of your favorite drafts in terms of grades from this past NFL draft. Well, I gave out three A's. 
Uh, one was to the Minnesota Vikings, and I love their draft. I, I really did. I think Rick Spielman does a great job there. I think trading down to get the extra picks and getting Christian Darrisaw, who's a tackle, I really love. In fact, I argued with a bunch of personnel guys in the process leading up to it. I think he's going to end up being the best of the tackles, and that includes Panay Sewell. Wow. So I think they got great value there. They got Wyatt Davis later on. So all of a sudden, an offensive line that wasn't very big has gotten a lot bigger and that left side if they play Davis on the left side if they don't move Cleveland from the right guard to the left guard then that left side of the line is going to be very big and they needed that because at times they had problems I loved getting Jalen Twyman that's a six-round pick I really like him and I like the chance on Mond I mean let's be real Kirk Cousins has you know a 45 million dollar cap hit next year and at some point you're going to have to get out from underneath that so I, I liked the decision there I thought they had a really good draft uh, from top to bottom, and Rick Spielman usually does a good job, as you know. He's one of the better guys in the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the other A's I gave out, uh, I'm just trying to think off the top of my head, I gave uh, Miami an A because I thought Miami had a great draft. And and people pinged him for taking the wide receiver early, which, uh, you know, look, would I, have take, I probably would have taken the offensive lineman there, but I could understand them. I love the receiver field. pick for Miami there. I thought that was an excellent one. Yeah, I like the player. I just think sometimes when you look at a draft that's loaded with wide receivers, you could always come back and get one, and that's not necessarily the case. But I give them a pass because they came back and got Eichenberg, the tackle from Notre Dame, later on. So it kind of fit those needs, filled those needs. I I really like Jalen Phillips because, again, this is a team that needs to rush the passer. They didn't do a good enough job there. Holland, the safety, uh, I like him, but I probably would have taken Morick there uh, in that spot. But I thought they had a really good, you know, draft and they also got an extra first round pick out of the thing let's not forget that and then the broncos i i'm probably in a minority on the broncos looking at some of the draft grades around the league but i i thought theirs was outstanding i thought i think patrick Sertan is a star in, the, in in waiting i like their fifth round pick jamar johnson uh you know the center is going to be a project but he's a good player mine hurts you know the small school kid uh they drafted a couple safeties later on so th- they drafted for their division if you're going to win that division, you got to stop Patrick Mahomes. You got to stop Justin Herbert. I think the Broncos did a nice job of drafting that way. Yeah, I think Sertan was the best defensive player in this draft. You're right about Spielman. Had him on our SiriusXM radio show. He always does an excellent job. I love the Mon pick, and to me, he was QB six in in this draft. I also love the love that you gave the Chargers. You gave them a B plus, and you don't just hand out these A's here. I mean. Tom Telesco is is an absolute gem. And, you know, how about Rashawn Slater in the first and Asante Samuel in, in the second? And, you know, you want to talk about impact rookies, Peter. I'm curious to get your take on this. But Slater, to me, and it's always difficult for an offensive tackle to be the rookie of the year. And I do like what you said about Darashaw with, with Minnesota. But Slater, in terms of impact, if he starts at left tackle, and I'm high on the Chargers this year, what he and Lindsley, the free agent center, what they can do for Justin Herbert, Slater can have that pretty awesome immediate impact. Do you like that take, and do you feel good about this Chargers draft and the impact Slater and Samuel for this upcoming season? I do. And, again, I probably would have taken Darisol, but because I think Slater here, – here's my problem with Slater. I think he's going to be a good tackle. I think he'd be a, a, one of the two or three best guards in the league if he moved inside. I, I think he could be – you know, one of those guys like Zach Martin who played tackle in college and moved inside, he'd be one of the best in the league. But I understand they drafted him to play left tackle. Like you mentioned, they got Corey Lindsley last year. They signed him as a free agent. Matt Filer also. The line will be much better. You had to address that. 
So I like that. I love Asante Samuel. I think Asante Samuel is going to be one of the better corners in this draft. Uh, he's skilled because he's learned from his father his entire career. He will be a, a playmaker. I really like third-round receiver Josh Palmer. He's a big physical guy, and, boy, was his quarterback play at, at Tennessee was awful. I almost felt sorry for him, and I think he's going to add a dimension to that offense as well. So all in all, Telesco did a nice job, which is why I gave him the B plus. Could have been an A, but I gave him a B plus. Yeah, I, I would argue an A. But listen, you know, you're 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 a tough grader, which I I respect. Pete, do the Raiders have any idea what the NFL draft is all about? No, and that it's in large part due to John Gruden. And you know, look, it, they allow it to happen, so you got to deal with the consequences. I mean, remember Cleveland Farrell fourth overall a couple years oh. ago. I was told people in that building, a lot of people in that building, wanted Devin White. And they they nixed that and they took him. Not a good move. Damon Arnett, another one. Uh, I mean, you can look at it and go on and on. Their problems on defense are really uh, showing up in a big way, and in large part because they haven't drafted very well. And then they come back in this, this draft and take Alex Leatherwood in the first round, which, look, Alex Leatherwood's an interesting guy. He's a decent player, and he will be a starter, but... To draft him as high as they drafted him, I thought that was a reach. I like coming back and getting Morrig in the second round. I think he's going to be a good player. But then they draft two more safeties. Yeah. I mean, that makes no sense. They have problems at every level of that defense, and they come back and draft two more safeties. They have no idea what they're doing. No, zero. How about the Pittsburgh Steelers? Now, you know, I like if, you know, you're a team and you draft the running back and it's a luxury item if you're a great team, or like the Jaguars if, you know, this year is not necessarily about wins and losses. It's about building something special. I love the way you phrased it on NTN in terms of being an airback. You know, Brandon Bean was on my SiriusXM radio show. He talked about that's what he would look for, a McCaffrey, a Camara type in the first round. And I like Najee Harris, but, boy, they, they need line help. The defense is not what it was. They lost Bud Dupree. I didn't like this Steeler draft at all. What was your take? Yeah, I gave him a C. I didn't love it either. I don't like taking Najee Harris there. Look, I get it. They want to run the ball better. But if you watch their offensive line a year ago, it was pathetic. Uh, they could not run the ball. And, and I think that's the biggest issue. I do like the third-round pick, Kendrick Green. He's going to be a, a good center. And if history is an indicator in Pittsburgh as it relates to centers, you know they're going to be there a long time with Webster, Damani Dawson, that whole gang, and then you had Pouncey. So I think getting him in the third round helps a little bit. But I don't think you're in a position, like you said, to take a running back. He's not, he's not going to change the outcome of that team. They just don't anymore. They're complementary pieces, but they don't have the stuff in front of them. Is their passing game good enough? That's a major question. So I agree with you. I did not like the pick of the back that early. You know, I, I was really disappointed in San Francisco on a lot of different levels. You know, as it turns out, trading two future first-round picks for Trey Lance, that to me did not add up. You know, I I thought Mac Jones was going to be the pick. Not that he was the third best player in the draft, but I thought they were trying to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo, and I thought he would have made a lot of sense in, in Kyle's offense. Not that he was worthy of two first-round picks, but this kind of felt like desperation, and somehow Jimmy's still on the team, and Trey Lance played one football game last year and had two pro days this year, and... Boy, I, I just did not have a good vibe and a good feeling, Pete, about what San Francisco ended up doing when it was all said and done. No, I didn't either. I mean, look, if you want to get Trey Lance, you might have been able to stay there and get him, or if not, you might have been able to move up a couple spots to go get him and not be forced to give up two first-round picks to go do it. That's the, that's the problem with the move. 
if he's anything less than a superstar, you gave up too much for it. And and I think he's got to have need time. He needs seasoning. He's got a, he's got some bad mechanics. He's an interesting kid. He can move. He's athletic. He's big. He's strong. Uh, but again, level of competition, and and I think there's some mechanical flaws there. So it might take a year or two. Um, but I would not have traded two first-round picks to go get him or Mac Jones. I'll be honest with you. I wouldn't have done it for either one of them. I think Justin Fields was the second-best quarterback in this class, which is probably why I would have taken him there. Uh, I do like a couple of their picks. I think coming back and getting Aaron Banks is going to help their offensive line. I think he's a big power player. He'll be perfect for their scheme. And then uh, Trey Sermon will be a typical 49ers plug-and-play running back. So they, they did make another a couple of nice picks. The problem is you gave up way too much to go get Trey Lance. Take me through Justin Fields, because you study this, you break it down, you talk to people, and I love that fit for Chicago. Look, they needed to change the conversation after Trubisky, after everything that happened with Foles, and it was a nightmare, and you had a GM GMing for his job, coach on the hot seat, and I, I'm with you. I'm, I'm a big Fields believer, and, and you you had him rated really high on your quarterback rankings Tell me why you love Justin Fields as a pro prospect. Because he's been there and he's done it and he's played at a high level and he can stand in there and make all the throws. But even more than that, and there was this whole perception that he didn't go through his progression. That's not true. It was never true. And I don't know where it came from because he does go through his progressions. Are there times when he stays on number one, maybe or number two, a little too long? Absolutely. But that's the case with a lot of young quarterbacks. Plus, he can move. And everybody pinged him for a couple games. And I'll give you an example. The Indiana game, he got pinged for that game. Oh, he didn't play that well. He threw a couple of interceptions. Well, when you go back and watch the tape, he still threw for over 300 yards and ran for over 75 yards. He made a couple bad plays in that game, tried to force the football, and then he, got, and he turned the ball over. He got hit a ton. They did not protect him in that game. Uh, they blitzed the heck out of him, and the line did not do a good job. So I want to see in a situation like that if a guy bounces back, and he bounced back, and he made some plays late in that game. So I think that's the most important thing. You know, I like Zach Wilson. I'm concerned about his body. I'm concerned about will his thin frame hold up in the NFL because he's already had some injuries in college, and that's always a concern. I think Fields and, and Wilson were close in terms of ability, but in the end I went with Fields because I think he's got the bigger NFL body and he can move just as well. I love when you're on Twitter and you're banging the drum for Fred Taylor and, and the Hall of Fame. Now, look, I always thought Fred was a great player. I, I think he probably needed you know, more numbers to probably get into the Hall of Fame. I Look, I grew up with, with Keith Bullock, one of my good friends from childhood, and he, he'll be the first to tell you in all those Titans and Jaguars games, Fred Taylor was a beast, one of the toughest players he, he ever played against. Your opinion, Pete, because I love when you get passionate about it because you saw every snap of his career. Your opinion, what makes Fred Taylor, very underrated player in the NFL, love watching him, what makes him a Hall of Famer? Well, I think it starts with being 235 pounds and being able to run 4-3. I mean, you know, when he came out, there's the legendary story of when Coughlin clocked him that day at the Florida Pro Day, and he couldn't believe it. He looked at his watch. It was, it was like 4-2-9, and he was 228 pounds, and, and, and Fred played at like 230 pounds at some point. And, and, and I don't think he ever gets the due he deserves for being, A, can run away from people, and B, he had the ability to run over people. And his jump cut was as good as anybody. And there's plays when you can put him, you know, when he's hurt by a couple of things. 
for some reason, Coughlin always took him out on the goal line. Yep. So his touchdown numbers aren't very good. Remember, James Stewart had five touchdowns in a game once, and Fred Taylor was on that team. He didn't get the ball. That's just dumb. That was uh, short-sighted, and it still burns Fred Taylor. But you look at his yards per rush average in those seasons, and you compare it to a guy. I always like to use Curtis Martin because Curtis Martin was a good player. Don't get me wrong. He was a really good player, tough, physical, and always showed up. But you look at the years that Fred Taylor averaged 4.6 per carry or more. 4.6, 4.6, 4.8, 4.6, 4.6, 4.7, 5, 5, 4. Okay? And then you go take a look at, at Curtis Martin's numbers. And he was an accumulator. Don't get me wrong. I'm not kicking against him. Here's his yards per rush in his career. 4036, 4, 2, 3, 5, 4, 0, 3, 8, 4, 5, 4, 2, 4, 0, 4, 6, 3, 3. So he had two years over 4.5. That tells me a lot about a running back. He stays on the field. Kudos to Curtis Martin, but he was not a better runner than Fred Tick. I think you could absolutely make that case. Pete, finally, I, I said you're my favorite Twitter tough guy. You are just an unbelievable follow on, on Twitter. You know, you got the whole genuine get off my lawn thing going. It's, it's great. You know your stuff. You call people out on their, their BS how would you describe your Twitter philosophy? Do you do you have as much fun with this as it seems? Because I find myself laughing out loud following you on, on Twitter. Yeah, you know what I see Twitter being is two or three or five or ten guys bellying up to the bar and having drinks and talking sports. Yes. And I don't care who you're – You've been with, and you've been with 10, 12 guys at the bar having drinks. You're going to have arguments. You're going to have disagreements. You're going to get passionate about it. And so that's how I am with the guys on Twitter. And if somebody crosses the line, then I that pretty much send them free and say, see you, and block them. But I'm, I'm not and, – and, and I was told I, – I didn't realize this. I guess I blocked 2,200 people in the last decade. So Wait, is that an actual that. number? Is there a stat? How did you find that number? Yeah, I didn't know this, but those guys on Pardon My Take asked me about it, and so I went and looked. There's actually You can actually look and see how many people you blocked, and I didn't know this. Uh, and then I went and looked, and uh, I'll be damned if I haven't blocked uh, 2,366. <laughs> 2, wow. I mean, do, do, so you, do you get joy and jubilation out of it, or you just, you know, don't want to deal with any nonsense and, and see you? That's all, that's all she wrote. No, I mean, I'll get joy and jubilation out of it. If somebody cracks on me, I'll crack back on them. And, and, and there's been times where I make jokes out of the, you know, what they come at me with, and then I use something like that and get, come back at them with it. So, yeah, it's it's fun. I mean, and they hate it. Then eventually a couple of them come back. Please unblock your, my friend. Please unblock my friend. He didn't mean to say what he did. And, and so I'll unblock him. But it, it's all in fun. But if you cross the line and say, you know, like, uh, what did Tebow sleep with your wife or something? To, that, that was one I got this week. And I'm like, or your mom or whatever, you know, then, then you're getting blocked for good. Uh, Pete, you are the best. <laughs> I didn't even know you could find out how many people you blocked. I mean, thank goodness for – for for Big Cat and and for PFT Commenter, that's that's tremendous. I'm gonna have to check that out. How I could find that out. Keep up the excellent work, my friend, and and we'll talk to you again real soon. You got it. Take care, Adam. Thank you for listening to another incredible episode of the Adam Shine Podcast. Pete Frisco, that cat's a gem. 
Thanks to our listeners on SiriusXM, listeners on Pandora, listeners on Apple Podcast, and with Stitcher. You know, we record the Adam Shine Podcast all year round, so please hit the subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. You can always catch me every weekday on my SiriusXM radio show, Shine on Sports, which airs from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on SiriusXM, Mad Dog Sports Radio, Channel 82. Thanks for listening. Talk to you again real soon. The Adam Shine Podcast is part of the SiriusXM Podcast Network. The executive producer of the Adam Shine Podcast, the great Bob Stew. The associate producers, Chris Tyler and Andrew Emmer. Sound design by my guy, Robert Moore. Andy King is the director of sports podcasting for SiriusXM. And special thanks to SiriusXM Senior, Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, the iconic Steve Cohen. Sirius XM Podcasts. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.